0: It's wild when you're up there pushing cows and moving cows around and you're you're up in these same trails that I know my my grandpa and and all those guys, you know, rode.
1: Good morning everyone and happy Thursday. I'm your host Harley and this is the Ranch Collective Podcast where we talk with western industry professionals to share, educate and give a platform to those inside the industry and to give those who are outside of it a look at the day-to-day by having real conversations with guests. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been on this journey with me for a while, welcome back. I am here today with Kyle Munger, who's a fifth generation rancher in Colorado, and we are getting to know him just a little bit. Um, This episode was really, really fun, and Kyle's actually my last guest for season five, so it'll be this week and next week, and then we are out of here for season five. So without further ado... Here is the interview.
2: Hey, you guys, it's Harley. I'm just hopping in before we start the episode to tell you about my other business, Pullage Company, and our retainer package. So Josiah and I co-own a photography business where we partner with other small businesses, advocates, and influencers to create social media content. Recently, we decided to develop retainer packages for our small business customers who need photo content on a regular basis, but don't have an in-house photographer. As you all know, social media is a huge part of growing your business and increasing your brand awareness, so fresh content is important. We are currently offering one, three, and six session packages with different time choices. You'll get high quality, professionally edited photos in unlimited locations, and a phone or Zoom planning session so that we can make the most of our time together. For more information and pricing, please head over to our social media at Polich Company. That's P-O-L-I-C-H Company, or click the link in today's episode notes.
0: I am Kyle Monger. I am a fifth-generation cattle rancher here in Northwest Colorado. Um, yeah, we run a commercial cow-calf operation, a, fa- a small family operation, and um, we raise the beef, and we do um, all our own hay and irrigating and, um, yeah, just trying to keep the tradition alive. So,
2: yeah. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm excited too. I'm a big podcast fan, so I'm, I'm always happy when someone wants to chat. So that's awesome. Thanks for having me.
2: Yes. You know, what's really funny is I was actually talking to my fiance about this is I love podcasts. Like I consume probably close to 40 hours of podcast media every single week right not related to my own podcast media, like just listening to other shows right and um i can't do audiobooks i hate audiobooks
0: i i hear you i don't know what it is maybe we're just too young and i'm not that young but i feel like my parents have been listening to audiobooks like my dad constantly has an audiobook and he figured out how to like have the library on the phone so he can listen to audiobooks like all the time but I've never I mean I'll listen to them here and there but yeah podcasts are where it's at podcasts are especially for a rancher or someone like me that's usually by himself in the middle of nowhere or sitting in a tractor somewhere like podcasts are. I don't know what I would do without them I they are they're amazing amazing uh to have for sure
2: yeah well and I love I love books I love to listen to music I just hate audiobooks like with a passion
0: <laughs> yeah no I hear you I know I've I like to read too. I wish I read more than I do. And, but yeah, there's, there's nothing like actually, you know, reading, like reading out of a book. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way. Podcast It's just, you can get a lot out of a podcast I feel like and you can change your whole mood and your whole, your whole vibe. You know, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, so that's, I, I, I hear you. I'm always laughing like for no reason. I'm just like out there in the tractor, just giggling to myself. Like "There's Kyle, he's crazy.
2: i do a lot of um true crime podcasts which let me tell you when we were living on the ranch i used to listen to a lot of true crime because i commuted an hour and a half each way for my job and um getting home at like 11 p.m onto the ranch where i have to get out of the car open the gate drive through (laughs) get back out of the car close the gate there's no one around because it's the middle of nowhere yeah Um, Listening to true crime podcasts for an hour before you do that about how people just said like, get murdered is not it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think that would freak you out. Definitely. I don't know if I I would I'm pretty good at freaking myself out too. I don't know if I would like that that either. That's yeah,
2: yeah. I just switched to something <laughs> a little bit lighter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might want to listen to a comedy podcast or something for sure.
2: Um yeah, no, I actually this year, uh I have challenged myself to finish 75 books for the year. Um, It's been, I used to read for pleasure a lot. And then of stopped once I became an adult and got busy with life stuff and haven't like picked up a book for fun in like years until last year. And this year I was like, I'm going to finish 75 brand new books. Rereads don't count nothing like that. (laughs) I am a third of the way down almost. I hit 22 books today.
0: Nice. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Right on. Like I said, I, I wish I could read more, but I, it seems like the only time I have time to actually read a real book is right before I'm going to bed. And it seems like all it does is just help me Like I'll get like two pages in and I'm like, I can't keep my eyes open anymore. I'm not like retaining any of this because I'm just thinking about shutting my eyes and going to bed. I'm like, this is a terrible time to try and like concentrate on reading a book because it just, I fall asleep. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, trying. Yeah.
2: All right, so you mentioned that you are a fifth generation Rancher, can you tell me a little bit about your family's history?
0: Yeah. So, um, like I said, Northwest Colorado, uh, based out of the Yampa Valley here, uh, Steamboat Springs is kind of the nearest big town that most everybody has kind of heard of Steamboat Springs. It's a world-class uh, ski resort. a so big tourist destination. Um, yeah, a lot of people come to ski and, and uh, recreation's huge. Um, but, uh, yeah, my great, great granddad homesteaded, um, here in route County, which is our County, uh, I think the late 1800s and, uh, you know, just, yeah, started from the bottom basically. I mean, did a little bit of everything had sheep and cattle and, um, I was a hard life, you know, crazy life back then living through, uh, was it the Spanish flu or that? I mean, there, there was, I don't know, you could go into whole podcast about just all the hardships that those guys dealt with um but anyway through that my grandpa was one of five or six children i think and uh kind of kept the thing going this is not the current ranch we're on this is the original uh big my my main you know the, the family families uh operation and uh yeah it was uh Hard life back then, for sure. But anyway, he he was in uh, World War II uh, when he came back from World War II. Met my grandma. I think, I don't know how they met. I think they met at a dance in California. You know, it was a crazy time back then. Like you met at a dance once. You know, they saw each other once and then they were pen pals for like a year, I believe is how the story goes. And then when he got off the ship, it was like, all right, you're coming with me. We're going to the mountains. We're getting married. We started having kids. I mean, it's just like, you know, that's how it was back
2: then. Yeah, I think about that a lot. And I'm just like, because my grandparents, something very similar happened. I think my grandfather met her. It was like the week he came back from the war he fought in World War Two. Also, he like met yeah. her, and then they've been, um, like they were together the whole time after that. And I'm like, you really just meet somebody once and then you get married.
0: Yeah, I know it's just a crazy, <laughs> crazy time. i but I, I mean, I guess that's just how you did, and you know, they were together, um, you know, forever. So yeah, it's uh anyway, they had five kids and my dad was one of them. And um my dad kind of went off and did his own thing for a little while too, but knew he was coming back to uh to run the ranch or have cattle. And um, so the place we actually have now, we've had for about 25 years um here in Hayden, Colorado, which is a little town uh west of Steamboat Springs. But uh that's where our main ranch headquarters are our, our smaller offshoot of the big families operation is. So, so we run, uh, like I said, a, a smaller herd around 200, 220 mother cows. Um, that'll start calving here probably any day now, actually March 15th, we're going to start calving. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what, what we do here. Um, my dad kind of started all that out and, uh, yeah, we're just keeping it going, keeping it going basically. So, yeah. That's
2: really cool. my, I think it's really cool, just like the generational stories that kind of come from multi-generation operations. I don't have anything like that in my life because I know, I don't know how many generations back I have to go in my dad's family to find farming or ranching. I know in my mom's, it's my grandfather's parents, um, and they moved to California right before the Great Depression, or right around the time of the Great Depression. So, um, yeah, so. Yeah. So it's really, really interesting always to like hear that there's families that have just stayed, maybe not just right on the same land, but certainly like in the same area. And it's all just been passed down generation to generation. I think that's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And actually, I feel lucky, too, that, like I said, it's kind of confusing, but because my uncle actually still ranches and owns the ranch that my grandpa started, you know, back in the 40s and 50s. Um, so it's still basically in the family and we all run cows around the same areas together and kind of have a good relationship, uh, even though we're not, you know, we're our own operation. They're kind of their own operation, which my cousins are taking over now too. And so it's cool to see younger ish generations like us, uh, keep it going. And, uh, and so I can still be around the old homestead and, and be up in that, that area that, you know, passed down from generation to generation and, uh, Yeah, it's cool. I'm like my sister and I, we still own my grandpa's brand. So we're able to kind of keep that going. And that's, that's really cool. It's actually his initials. So it's, that's kind of a cool thing to, you know, and it's, it's wild when you're up there pushing cows and moving cows around and you're, you're up in these same trails that I know my, my grandpa and, and all those guys, you know, rode, you know, long, long time ago. It's, I don't know. There's a weird connection. I always kind of feel like this, guardian angel or something when i'm up there it's just it's really because it's on the side of these crazy mountains and just like the most gnarly desolate terrain of just sagebrush and rattlesnakes and just like (laughs) it's just the the craziest scenery um but um it's cool it's cool that you know we've been doing it that long and we're still doing it so
2: yeah Yeah. no that's that's really really cool (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel very lucky for sure. Very, very lucky. It's it's a weird, stressful life, but uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of beauty in it, definitely.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, So you mentioned that like your dad kind of went away and did other stuff for a little while. Did you do the same thing, or have you just been on um, the ranch the entire like your whole entire life?
0: Yeah, no, I have kind of a wild story too you know I I don't know if uh you know growing up I always I I like the ranch but it's weird like when you're around it your whole life you just don't really realize as much how cool it is like I remember as a kid having birthday parties and you know these kids would come over like oh my gosh you have a ranch and you have horses and this and that and I, I don't know when you're when you're in it you're just like yeah whatever like it's I don't know you just don't really realize how cool it is um and then so anyway that's kind of how it was. I mean, I was always on the ranch and helping out and stuff, but I was never like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I had, uh, bigger dreams and aspirations, I guess. And, um, kind of did a little bit of everything, but, uh, you actually, uh, have a theater degree. So actually a theater degree, um, (laughs) that I got, which is, you know, I, I always enjoyed acting and entertainment. And so that was, uh, that was going to be my thing. I thought after high school and, um, so, yeah, I got the theater degree and then obviously like every, not every theater guy, but, um, wanted to go to California and go to Hollywood and, and, uh, eventually did that for a little while and lived out there, which was a crazy experience. I mean, you want to talk about like just culture shock and it was a crazy, crazy time. I mean, I'm in like this lifted, ridiculous truck, like driving to auditions in Los Angeles and it was, um, it was a fun experience but I realized pretty quickly that 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 wasn't the life for me and that wasn't what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, like kind of like I'd said earlier, it just really made me appreciate home and appreciate animals and being outside and, and uh, just basically the ranch. So it was a great feeling knowing once I was done, you know, kind of pursuing that dream that I could, and my dad was cool too. He said, well, you know, you can always come back to the ranch. You can, that was always, cause it was tough to leave. I mean, Colorado's not that far from California, but it's pretty darn far. And that was, you know, it's kind of a big deal. I didn't really know anybody out there. My cousin kind of lived out there. Um, But uh, it was a wild little time in my life, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, it was great to know when I was done out there that, yeah, this isn't, this isn't what I want to do. So it it was a cool feeling to be able to come home and, and know I could help my dad on the ranch and we could expand the operation and, and really, uh, and really do it so yeah who would have thought right theater major
2: <laughs> well that's really nice He <laughs> always have like a or it sounds like you had like a when you're ready to come back home you can attitude because I know sometimes kids who want to leave want to like experience something different maybe they're not necessarily mm-hmm. welcomed home that way
0: yeah for sure well and I think especially <laughs> excuse me I don't know the numbers but A lot of people, a lot of kids aren't into it really anymore. Like they, they see it's a rough life. It's not a cush life. It's not a lot of money. So they're kind of, you know, if they can get an education and and go off somewhere else, they're probably going to do it. And it's sad. I see that in our area, a lot of these old ranches are getting sold. And, and a lot of the reason the kids just don't want to do it. Like, I I don't know whether, and I'm not sounding like old man, like all these kids these days, but it just, I, I don't know, maybe, it just doesn't appeal to a lot of people, which I get, like I said before, it's not an easy life. Um, So it's kind of heartbreaking to see a lot of these old ranches are getting sold and and divided and, and uh, you know, the kids just don't want to take over anymore. So yeah, it's a weird feeling.
2: Yeah. Well, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this. Her and her husband are um, in Northwestern California and they're, just kind of getting their operation started. And she was telling me when they were looking at their biggest issue is like finding um, affordable land to lease for their cows. Like right now they have like, I think they have a couple acres. So they've got like their handful of cattle on their own land, but they would like to be like rotational grazing them or they would like to be able to have more cattle. Right. And I was like, it would be so cool if there was some way to hook up like young people, like people who are, you know, under 40, who really want to get into ranching or farming or whatever with older families who have those ranches, who have those, that knowledge who want to pass it down, but don't have anyone to pass it down to. How cool would it be to hook them up so that way they could, you know, take over, like help the land stay in farming hands or stay in ranching hands? Because a big problem I know for like young people is being able to find and being able to afford the land, even if they that's like their dream, they can't afford the land to do that.
0: Exactly. No, that's that's a big deal. I mean, that's 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 part of that. That's why I feel honestly super blessed that I even have this opportunity. Because if this was something I wanted to just do and I didn't have the family or the family history or you know ten million dollars or whatever, then I mean, you could never do it. A guy like me could never you know, unless I want to go work for a ranch, if I want to go work for some rich guy who's, you know, wants to be a, he wants to be Yellowstone, but he do not want to do any of the work, you know, then I'm sure I could go get hired on, but then you're working for somebody else. And, you know, you never know when that dream's going to end for that guy and he's going to want to sell out. I mean, that honestly, what you're saying about your friends, that's our biggest uh, obstacle to, well, one of them, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's probably a couple, but uh, yeah, the leasing of the pasture is huge. I mean, we have all this stuff here on our ranch is uh irrigated hay ground. So the cows basically, you know, when the snow finally melts, May and June, the cows kind of, hopefully they've all had their babies by now. And, and um, they got to get out to summer pasture. So they got to go up in the mountains, like we talked about and all these leases um, so that the hay can grow here on the home ranch in Hayden. So it's all irrigated and that's what we you know, that's going to be the hay that we feed all winter. So, but, but yeah, that's our biggest struggle is a lot of these old ranchers are getting bought up and a lot of these people have a lot of money and they have no interest in, in leasing to, uh, to anybody. Like it's almost like, no, it's mine. You know, I paid $8 million for this 600 acres or whatever it is and I don't want any cows on it and I don't want to fix my fence and I don't want to deal with anybody in, and uh, or maybe i just want to fly in from texas you know <laughs> once a year and shoot an elk and uh and that's all i want to do for and so it's it's a struggle it, like you said the, the price of land is just so crazy especially where i'm at um, it's really blown up i mean colorado's it's just gotten crazy with the um, the population and and the uh, amount of second homes and uh that's that's probably our biggest obstacle too is is just finding pasture finding somebody that you know in a lot of these places we're leasing old ranches you know even if say say there's an old couple that maybe they sold their cows years ago and they still live on the ranch and they still want to do ag stuff but they don't want to run the cow, so they'll lease to us and that's awesome but eventually they're getting older too where you know maybe they want to move to arizona or whatever and so they're i can't blame them you know you paid four hundred thousand dollars for this amazing working ranch back in the 90s or whatever and now someone's offering you eight million dollars or five million dollars or whatever it is you know it's like that's hard to turn down and i get that but man it's it sure makes it hard for someone who does want to work the land to to keep it going
2: yeah so where i live um used to all be ranchland i live in central texas about 30 miles north of austin um and they're still like cows next to my neighborhood so they're still very much like ranch land out here and it's all being bought out for subdivisions we live in one of them Like I'm like watching how fast everything is growing here I know it's happening like maybe not like you know your neighbors but I certainly in your neck of the woods it's happening near where Josiah's parents grew up like it the urban sprawl it's exploding
0: (laughs) oh yeah for sure well and that's that's exactly like i said i live close enough to steamboat springs that a lot of this you know there's not really any affordable housing and the the housing market is just crazy and it's hard for like normal working people to even rent a place or let alone buy a place because just the the amount of big money that's coming to this valley is just outpriced any normal person (laughs) so it's that's a huge struggle for us. And, and uh, yeah, a lot of money, but I, I will say one thing I'm very proud that my parents uh, were able to do when they bought this place was put a conservation easement on it. So basically it'll never be subdivided. That, that it's an, an agreement, basically saying that this, this will remain open lands, working ranch, you know, whatever, it, it'll never have a bunch of houses on it. And and so that's, that's really cool. I something, very proud of So foresight
2: when you say like it's a conservation easement does that just mean like a certain percentage of the land is through this easement dedicated essentially to be conserved for that type of use is that what that means
0: yeah basically that it just has to stay one piece and then it can never be um divided I, i don't know the like the official you know definition but basically in my mind it just means that it'll stay all in one piece forever you can't put a bunch of houses on it you can't put a bunch of subdivisions on it you can't you know like it's uh, they're kind of strict on their guidelines which is probably a good thing that you know it needs to remain open lands it needs to remain a ranch it needs to open spaces for wildlife and cattle and in you know like, like you said, it it can't be part of the urban sprawl. So that's, that's something I, I really like about it.
2: That is nice. I know you mentioned, um, your sister earlier, like, could you, could you and your sister like split the land if you guys wanted to separate the two ranches? Do you, that might be like way too into details, but that just made me wonder.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure I'd have to check the, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'd have to check the kind of rules on the whole deal, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> there, there's a <laughs> lot of fine print in the deal i know i just know the like the the cowboy version of the deal so i Sounds
2: always good. ask like the most not stupid because i don't think that's a stupid question i'm like a question that like unless someone looked into it why would you say that
0: <laughs> no i know i always think of that weird stuff too so it's all good not a stupid question <laughs>
2: um okay so something that we talked about i know like in our initial call is that you said you do teamwork Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's another, you know, it's weird. I've like rode horses all my life basically, but I never really, it was another one of those things. It was like, Hey, whatever. Like, yeah, we have horses, but, um, and actually my dad was a racehorse trainer for a long time. And that was kind of his passion I mean, he was, my age was training horses. And then we did, he did uh, chariot racing, which is crazy. <laughs> if you don't know, you should YouTube it. It's wild. They call it cutter racing. Cause the, the sleds or the sleighs actually used to be like on runners. But the ones he did it on were on like bicycle wheels, and you were on like a chariot behind quarter horses, just mm-hmm. hauling ass. Like it was just it was wild around a racetrack. And anyway, so that was like kind of his passion. Um, so it's kind of cool that it's kind of come back around and I've got this new appreciation. Well, not new, but newfound, I guess, appreciation for horses. And um yeah, I started team roping probably, I don't know, eight or so years ago, and then really more serious, probably the last five or six years and so that's been that's been a blast i love it's oh my gosh it's so fun so addicting so fun it's uh it's awesome
2: okay so i have a couple of really potentially stupid questions about team because i don't know i mean i understand like the objective of it but like that's it <laughs> <laughs> um, do you always you like always use your same horses like you don't draw for horses the same way like front and stuff riders do
0: yeah no you're using the same you're using your own horse so and they're all super trained and and uh so you're either a header or a healer you know so you either rope the horns and and turn the steer off or uh you come in and and catch the hind feet as a healer so it's just a timed event basically and um you know obviously <laughs> there's a lot more to it there's <laughs> five brains i think what was it one two three four five brains yeah five brains all together working you know, to try and make one timed fast run. Um, but it's a lot of fun, super challenging, a lot of horsemanship involved, a lot of um, a lot of hard work, really. it's It's been uh, incredibly discouraging when I started team roping. And then it's funny how, like, little light bulbs go off in your head and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. And, um, you know, it's fun to progress a little bit and, and uh, you know, just enough to keep you, like, super into it and super – obsessed with it basically so and it's something you can do forever it's pretty wild it's pretty wild when you go these jackpots and you see these these old dudes you know tied on with blown up shoulders and they're they're just and it's it's an awesome sport bunch of good people too really great people that i've met team roping so
2: that's really cool i well i don't i've never participated in a rodeo event but (laughs) i like to attend them they're really fun (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's cool. It's cool to be involved in rodeo too. And I think rodeo is a huge um, part of kind of promoting the Western way of life too. And it does a great job. And, you know, I think basically all of us, whether you're ranching, farming, rodeo cowboys, whatever, like we, we all uh, need to do a little bit better job of coming together and really promoting and, and telling our stories and, and, um and getting that out there. Basically, yeah, just what we do and why we do it and why it's important and and why it's important to keep it around too. So, yeah, I feel
2: like, mate, and this is maybe just like my take from like the people that I've seen on social media because a lot of the people that I know in real life are different, but it seems like there's a lot of oh well, I rodeo and I don't do anything on a ranch. You're like oh well, I'm a rancher, fuck the rodeo guys, like stuff like that. It seems like there's a lot of that when there should shouldn't be there should be more of like camaraderie around oh totally
0: (laughs) yeah no it is funny because I remember somebody before I started roping somebody was like "Give me crap about like well you don't even team rope or whatever like was almost like you weren't a cowboy unless you team roped and then like the more now the more I'm around all these team ropers I'm like these guys like you can be a, a team roper and not have anything to do with a ranch or ranch cowboy stuff. Or, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of it goes hand in hand and a lot of, a lot of ranchers or farmers or whatever are cowboys, are team ropers. I mean, like it can go either way, but it is funny that, um, there's, I mean, you can live in the city and be a team roper. That's kind of why it's <clears throat> so cool too, to me is, I mean, you can be, you can live in town and, and still team rope and, and, um, uh, win a lot of money. And that's, what's crazy now. I feel like the sport has just exploded. I mean, it is, we went to Las Vegas in December. I can't remember what the, uh, so there's all different categories and in divisions and depending on how good you are or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but the money is just insane. Like the area at world series, of team roping, which is what we roped in. I think the total payout was like 14 million or something throughout all the divisions, you know, it's not one roping. But I mean, the money is like life changing money that normal people like me can rope for. It's, it's really cool to see, you know, just in the small amount of time that I've been in the sport, just how big it's gotten and how much money, I mean, the horses are expensive that, I mean, it's not a cheap hobby sport, whatever you want to call it, but, but it can be, it can be very lucrative. um, If you, if you do it right.
2: I think that's one of the actually most wonderful things about rodeo is that it and realist, I mean, obviously you have to have the money for like training and stuff like that and the time and access, but really anybody it's anybody's game, especially when you start talking about like stuff like bull riding or bronc riding or um, running barrels and stuff. It, it really could be anyone's game, especially when you get like to the levels, like when you're talking about like at the world championships,
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, it's pretty wild. I mean, because so we're in Vegas at that at the World Series of Team Roping, and I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people that travel from all over to come do it. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, the NFR is going on, Mm -hmm. and so you have these open ropers, the best in the world, competing at the NFR. Well, there's actually more money to be made, to be had, to be won um, from guys like me who are you know just mid-level guys, beginner guys, novice ropers, weekend warriors. Um, I mean, we can win just as much money, you know, if you do good that weekend or that day um, as the pro guy. So it's pretty wild to see where the sport has come. Um, I mean, the the fees are pretty high, but you can win a lot of money. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
1: Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to connect with me on social media. It's at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.